Do you want to know more about people's journeys and understand how they take decisions in their day-to-day lives? Tune in to the Nails and Hammers podcast to master from what others have already figured out in life. In this episode, we are excited to have Nupur Dave, who is a seasoned product manager and NRI consultant and the author of Back Home and the lessons learned by Miss Pecking. Hi Nupur, a welcome to the Nails and Hammers podcast. Thank you. A lot of our friends are, you know, uh, in the US are excited about this episode, especially when I told them that you are coming. Thank you for that. <laughs> uh, and uh, we want to start from the very beginning. Can you share a bit with us about where did you grow up and where all did you do your schooling from? Yeah, so my background is a little interesting. I'm a Gujarati, but I've never been to Gujarat. And oh. I grew up in Maharashtra, so you, I could call myself a Maharashtrian at heart. and growing up in pune was very interesting because um, pune is a very sheltered sort of place you know you don't really have to deal with the big bad evil world so um i basically grew up in uh, the same area that my um, grandfather he was in the army and he settled in in pune and uh, so this area uh, you know the college that i went to was the same college that my dad went to uh narosi wadia college uh, and uh, then i did my engineering from college of engineering pune which also my dad went to uh, in in the oh. 60s so it's a sort of legacy of sorts and uh, right after my graduation i had decided to uh, pursue my masters degree from the united states so i moved out of pune at the age of 22 and uh, i spent more than 13 years in the us before i moved yeah. back to india so right. that's the long and short of it got it. so so straight out of your college uh, i think after your post grad you you pretty much started working with google right uh, and when this was back in the day in 2007 when when google was not what it is today right so so how was the how was the experience uh, working with them and, and like you worked with them for 10 odd years right so how was the journey like it was very interesting especially for uh, me because i didn't join in the headquarters i joined uh-huh. in a very interesting part of google which was the data center and okay. at that time these data centers were top secret locations they, you right. don't want right. even your competitors to know you wouldn't find it on google maps so uh-huh. my friends would tease me saying that we'll follow you to office one day tell <laughs> 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 them where i work Yeah, and yeah. these are a uh, physical like imagine a very 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 large warehouse you uh-huh, walk uh-huh. in and there are just rows and rows and rows of machines yeah. and it kind of felt like you know working in like a star wars movie or something like that because this was right. cutting edge technology right. and um so i started in that as a forecasting and demand planning analyst and then this was in atlanta Nice. So I soon, you know, my personal life in Atlanta. I got so bored of it. By then, I had been five or six years in Atlanta, and when you're that long in a city that uh, is the size of Atlanta, it starts becoming smaller in your mind. You're like, I've seen, been there, done that, seen everything, and I yeah, really yeah. wanted to move to to California. And then, did you did you live in downtown or did you live in suburbs in Atlanta? Oh, in in Atlanta, I so that's one thing that a lot of uh, I feel I made a mistake, which was I had decided initially that I want to live closer to office, okay. and I feel that uh, especially in the United States, people really need to prioritize what they want to, how they want to live their life, 
uh-huh. um, as opposed to designing a life around their workplace. So what I should have done more, which I did towards the end, was live in downtown Atlanta and commute to work. It was totally right. worth it because downtowns in the United States offer a very different quality of life than suburbs. But then just digressing a bit, how do you justify, uh, I mean, going, I mean, staying away from office for five days and like having, you know, a two-hour commute every, every day for personal life? I mean, that's, that's always a debate that most people have. So here's where the, you know, I don't know if you should call it the elitism. <laughs> that so Google provided uh, Wi-Fi enabled buses to its employees. So I actually had a very productive two hours because I just had to sit in the bus, open my laptop and do whatever I needed to do for two hours and get it out of the way. So that really made, that helped. Uh, in There are a lot of other options. People who take the Caltrain. Uh, assume you get a place to sit, you can do the same thing. You can uh, open your laptop and do, uh, and you you really don't need to need internet to be productive, to be honest, you know, if you're writing something, um, you're writing down your ideas, you you just need a piece of pen and paper. You don't even need a computer. And and, and Google, you work for 10 odd years, right? So you, I'm, I'm assuming that you've worked in different roles as well, right? So uh, how was that? And, and what were any specific products of Google that you worked on? Yeah, so... My background is mostly in infrastructure, which is like the hidden part of uh, many companies, not just yeah. Google. Um, this you would see in Microsoft as your any any company that has a very very large data center presence will right. have a, a backend operation. So I was initially in hardware, uh, where I was forecasting for demand uh, demand planning for spare parts for the mm-hmm. that were in in the warehouse in the in the data center warehouse. And um, when I moved to Mountain View, which is the headquarters of Google, it opened up a sea of opportunities for me. Now you could argue, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Is it a good thing to have so many opportunities? Uh-huh. Because when yeah. you have so much choice, it becomes even more confusing. Yeah. And yeah. you can, you can um, expand the debate to the generalist versus uh, specialist yeah. question right. as well. Is it right, better to right. be a specialist or a generalist? So right. just for the uh, viewers or the uh, uh, listeners, um, I am what you would call a generalist, which means you can fit me anywhere. Uh-huh. I have a skill set that is very transferable. The only problem with this is then you don't carry your domain knowledge with you everywhere. So uh, with the domain knowledge of hardware, I went to the network operations side and uh-huh. network operations is very interesting because in Google, everything was built from scratch for Google within Google. So these are not things, terminologies, that if I spoke to a networking professional outside of Google, they would be like, what? What are you talking about? You know, so um, these were very specific homegrown technologies that I worked on. And, you know, to talk about the 10-year piece, uh, there were a lot of opportunities that came across my way. And then towards uh, 2016, um, which was my ninth year with Google, I yeah. increasingly felt I need to move to India. And I did a role transfer from the US to India. Now, to answer your question about what roles have changed, the titles may have changed, the, the teams may have changed, but the essence of it sort of remains the same, which is, uh, you know, the technical program management piece, which is your you're understanding what 
a company needs uh, to move a certain project forward and you go ahead and do it. You're responsible for delivering that particular project or projects. <laughs> I could relate to your like, uh, I mean, when you said that like when you moved to Mountain, you had so many choices. I just read a book called Paradox of Choice. And it basically argues the same thing. Like when there's too many choices, it does not make you necessarily make you happier. Yeah. Doesn't it? In fact, makes you question yourself because you're like, should I have done that? Should I have, yeah. you know, instead um, tried this other role in this other team, or maybe I should have left yeah. and got an MBA or something like that? And these are questions that even come after looking at your peers, because when uh -huh. you look uh -huh. at someone else and you see their path and you think uh -huh. that wow, this person is so successful, maybe I should have done yeah. what they did. Maybe I should yeah. have taken the GMAT and, you know, gotten into yeah, Harvard, Stanford yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Uh, these questions start plaguing you. And yeah. at some point, you just have to make peace with yeah. what you have, uh, you yeah. have achieved. Right. And I think you, you don't just make peace by sitting, uh, you know, it's in Hindi, we say, hat pe hat dhare bethe. You, yeah. you just don't say, okay, I'm, I'm at peace. The, yeah. the whole idea to being happier is to make progress. Right. So there was a point, and uh, I'll talk a little bit about my book journey uh, after uh -huh. in some time, but that was the reason why I, I started looking at my career and I'm, I asked myself, where am I making progress? Because just being busy or doing something is not really helping you feel content. And uh, the only way forward, I feel, is you pick a certain topic or something that you really, really love to do and make progress in that. It could be joining a course, it could be doing some daily yoga or uh -huh. some daily writing. But uh, I think that is the key to, to making right. yourself more relevant in today's right. times. The paradox of choices, I mean, the, the popular that we discussed, uh, it usually happens early in your early 20s, right? But is it the same that, I mean, when you're in your 30s as well, uh, you go to that similar cycle because in your early twenties, you, I mean, just starting your career, there are a bunch of things that you can jump on and switch and stuff. Right. Uh, but in your thirties, I mean, you've already worked for quite some time right, right now. Right. So, so from that perspective, what's your take? Absolutely. In fact, it gets worse, I think, because you become wiser. <laughs> okay. <laughs> when you're in, uh, in your twenties, like I was super stupid. I would just jump into things. Yeah. 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 So, um, so a lot of things are, people I, I see are very confused, especially when they are not in tune with what they want to do versus what they're doing. And uh -huh. that's when the questions start coming up. And this is where you really have to listen to your gut. And I'd love to tell you a little story about how to follow your gut. Yeah, please. Because, sure, sure, sure. So uh, when I applied for uh, my master's degree, I applied uh -huh. to a lot of schools. Um, uh -huh. And uh, what, for industrial engineering, Georgia Tech was number one in the world. The best in the world, yeah. 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 And I applied there, I got through, and uh, I also got through Virginia Tech. Now, my dad, uh, at, at those times, he was thinking more from a you know, very protective point of view. And he said, see, Virginia Tech is close to your aunts, so uh -huh. you, will, uh, you should go there. And I was like, no, I, I, you know, Georgia Tech is number one and we couldn't find the finances for it at that time. You know, you know how typical middle-class Indian households yeah. are, you can barely pay for the flight ticket. Yeah. Yeah. So I did go to Virginia Tech 
and at the bottom of my heart i just knew that place is not for me and my gut kept telling me do something about georgia tech do something about georgia tech <clears throat> luckily i had deferred my admit to spring but how do you just go and join a university you know so i literally on one thanksgiving weekend was asking people around and there were these two indian guys who were going to atlanta now virginia tech is in a small village town uh, about 4 hours from washington dc and um, this in my mind mentally it literally felt like i was standing on the road and i asked for a lift so i asked those guys can you give me a lift to atlanta and uh, i i just didn't know what i was going to do but i knew that this is something i need to pursue so i went with them to atlanta they dropped me off at uh, fortunately i had a friend uh, there and uh, we went and met uh, the uh, current students of industrial engineering and what i did i said show me your notebook and the minute they opened their notebook i don't know what happened to me but i said this is it this is for me i this this is where i want to be and um, i didn't know how i get the finances i didn't know how i'm going to even physically get there so uh, i took a greyhound bus back and if you all know how greyhound is very creepy smells of drugs and uh, i somehow made it happen with the with the limited finances and uh, you know at that time i was working in a dishwashing place yeah. because uh -huh. as a student and with all that limited resources no there's no cell phone time like this was the the old kind of cell phone not the smartphone era and i made it happen because my gut told me that this is the right thing for me and i, I feel like everyone needs to listen to that voice inside which keeps banging on their head and saying this is not for you this is not for you and that can manifest in different ways it could manifest as you know some people coming to office every day and being like yeah yeah i just don't feel like doing this i feel uh -huh. you really need to listen to that voice and push uh -huh. yourself to find what is it that does work for me which is in tune with what yeah. i am personally So, uh, quite interesting. I mean, I don't have an exactly similar story, but my aunt stays in Atlanta, and my parents were like, "Go to Georgia Tech, go to Georgia Tech." Okay. I I did not apply to Georgia Tech, and I went to University of Washington because I felt this was right for me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Uh, yeah. See, we all have these stories, and we just don't know that it is our gut talking to us, and we just have to listen to it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then, like speaking about your, uh, I mean, you mentioned that your career has fairly been in this. domain of technical program management or product management so it's uh, one of the you know the hot jobs of the decade so what how did you make that transition from an infra maybe an engineer to a program manager or a product manager is a lot of combination of happenstance the environment the opportunities you get but to answer the question for someone who is looking for the transition you have to get that one opportunity just you just need one opportunity where maybe somebody who has faith in you or maybe you're in a company where suddenly a certain role comes up and you're like can i just do like 20% a 20% project in this yeah. and then you slowly get your way into it and this is not the type of job that you would do uh, you know somebody would hire you right out of college i have seen a lot of people uh, do mbas for that I have a divided opinion on this. I feel that um, it's a bit unfortunate that the industry itself looks for MBAs to, to fill up product manager positions. So until that changes, um, 
and if you have the luxury of doing an mba uh, you should um but uh, don't be disheartened if you if you don't have the typical background that other people do it's again looking at your gut and feeling like this is the right thing for me i'm just going to pursue it with single minded focus i think that we're going to call this episode as going by the gut because like <laughs> discussing the same again again to give another example of gut is uh, i didn't get into google right after my georgia tech uh, degree i uh, got into a very small company that was the only one willing to sponsor my h1b uh-huh. and you know how you know uh, for those who've been abroad they know how desperate you are like just do something give me that job <laughs> that sponsors yeah. h1b yeah. like i will sweep the floor for you <laughs> <laughs> so um so so yeah um you know a lot of uh, times that uh, when i was in that company i i just loved um, i loved statistics like i loved data analysis and i kept uh, kept being like i want something in data analysis i want something in data analysis i ended up getting what i wanted at that time and that was because of that gut feeling which told me this is not enough you know what i have right now i i need i need something more and i'm going to continue to find it till till it comes into my lap so so you have to keep those channels open nice listen to your inner voice uh, uh would like to know more about what was your typical day like uh, in sf i can give you a work day and a weekend yeah. and this answer will be very specific to me because yeah. i like this life uh, and it's kind of funny when i talk to you about my shopping es- escapades so in a weekday it was quite hectic actually so you know i would wake up at um 6:30 i had um, mastered this 12 minute routine it takes me 12 minutes start to finish to get ready because that's the luxury of time that i had so if you if you imagine you're waking up at 6:30 and by the time i get to office it's 8:30 you you catch your breakfast you get your latte or whatever and uh, since we were infrastructure our our meeting started at 9 am it's and not the 11 just to add just to add you had free breakfast free lunch and free dinner at work who and we still complained about it by the way oh. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah you go to the bank and you give your order and it takes 10 minutes for the the latte to get made like that is too long <laughs> free latte with the barista um so yeah um there were i was uh, i was the head of the indian google network at google so i used to do a lot of activities related to that as well the clock strikes 5 5:30 i would go to the gym I was super diligent about that because there's something about the us that just made me feel like i have to be at my fittest and slimmest best and now when i look back at that life i was like i was so stressed about the gym it's just it's not worth it <laughs> but that's the environment i was living in so i conformed right. to, to what that environment made me do and uh-huh. by seven o'clock i would take the free dinner pack it up get <laughs> on the bus get yeah. home by 9 o'clock now just look at this day right you're waking up at 6:30 you get home at 9 and then you do other things at 9 you either clean the house or you talk to your parents or do something and by the time you're getting to sleep it's it's like 12 or 1 a.m. yeah and if you calculate it's a total of 5 hours of sleep and this means that your life is perpetually on coffee mm-hmm. so that was Very one of the sacrifices that. yes that i had to make while being in uh, in san francisco and yeah. one yeah. of the 
the problems with the commute is that some people can sleep in the bus i couldn't so that's a choice i made but um you know people you know they decide to live near their their houses so that they get eight hours sleep i decided i want to experience life and i stayed away and and of course weekends were there's so much to explore in san francisco especially if you're living in in a city like that mm-hmm. uh, you don't have to plan anything you can just walk downstairs and you know do your 7 am run you can yeah. even run two in the afternoon if you want to so um, a lot of um, uh, there was a lot of opportunities to do shopping which i really loved <laughs> <laughs> i think literally everything right. you can in in the background here like including uh-huh. the dead bookmark the plant this is everything is from the us so um we plan of of shopping at that time uh, and my shopping in india is zero oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so so yeah uh, so that was basically the the san francisco life you know uh, okay. for me yeah. you also mentioned that you joined the indian googlers network So what was that about? What other activities did you do? And I think you also started a cricket team there. So what was that about? The Indian Google Network gave me a platform to express myself more than anything else, and I was so enthusiastic to get the community together. I planned a lot of things. So for 15th August, uh, we used to have some kind of mela where people would do dances, and I thought that why don't we introduce Indian sports here? so we started doing kho kho and kabaddi uh, right. in that and it was so well received a uh, lot of people showed up um, and uh, also with with the indian google network uh, we got a budget to plan diwali and diwali at google was like a 4000 strong party where people would kill to get in um, you know to get a wristband for that and uh, i i planned that for a couple of years uh, i also um love sports so i saw the need for a women's specific sports and what what's better than cricket so i got together uh, um a cricket team got a budget for it um but it was a great experience and uh, i also um i got a chance to host uh, prime minister Mo- modi's visit to to the google campus and his team uh oh. so i met a lot of his osds and uh, even the secret service equivalent of uh, the indian uh, side so okay. that was a very very unique interesting experience i got to meet a lot of journalists a lot of these big news channels that interviewed me so it was a once in a lifetime experience as i mentioned a platform for me to express myself so sounds super interesting uh, uh let's talk about your uh, coming back to india journey right so what was the pivotal moment uh, that you decided that you want to come to india again and what was the thought process like was there a framework that you worked on or is it like with again going with a gut feeling so uh, in re- this return to india side a gut feeling doesn't work as much in the sense you you know you want to go but it doesn't yeah. push you to make it happen yeah. you need something yeah. more and right. for me it was what i would say i don't know maybe death by a thousand cuts where every day a small small things started making me work uh, making ma- me make up my mind to move back to india for some people it could be a one incident that happens um you know a lot of people some get lose their jobs or their visa pro- issues i didn't have any of that and uh, 
I always knew I wanted to move back, but it's that uh, that time never comes. You're always like, okay, maybe next year, next year. But I think this whole part about that um, managing my life in the U.S., which I described to you, was so stressful. I think that just came to a tipping point where I said, you know what, I have lived my life in the U.S. to the best possible. I'm at my peak here. I have explored so much. It's time I. I would call it moving on. You move on. You actively decide. I'm going to move away from this, and try my a new life somewhere else. So, so that that is the decision um, that I made. And once I made that decision, I booked that flight. Things were so much better. Like so much more calmer. I felt so much better. And um, I think it was a great decision. I really feel that I have changed as a person after moving back to India. That's quite interesting, and I mean, like, just adding on to the return to India part. So, I mean, being a Gujju myself, whenever I mean, someone I or someone says that, hey, I want to go to India sometime in the future. People, first of all, people say that's never going to happen. Secondly, when I uh, when someone says that, no, I really want to go, people would say you have lost your mind. So, why do why do people say these things, and then how did you overcome those questions yourself? So, this is the thing. why are we looking for answers in other people when the answer lies in us so asking other people they are going to project what they think you should be doing and in my book i'm going to show you this is this is a book that i've written yeah, yeah we'll talk about it we'll talk about it yeah. spoken yeah. about this thing called tumse na ho payega yeah yeah if where if you know you meet somebody and they say hey, i'm studying for iit You think it will say no? It won't happen, you know. <laughs> so, like, kind of similar. Okay, I don't think you're going to survive in India, and and that's not true. You can't decide how other people are going to um, be in India and what what's going to make them stick or make them happy here. Right. So, uh, so yeah, the idea is um, again when you listen to what your stomach is saying, that gut, which is literally that feeling inside yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Whatever other people say. will not matter it's like, all noise like, yeah it's noise like don't ask don't talk to people like there's yeah. this guy i remember some random guy I met on a hike and i said i'm going to india and he's like okay we'll see how long you last exactly so like i was mock faced yeah <laughs> <laughs> see, another thing about moving to india is right people project their insecurities on you and <laughs> i don't blame yeah. them you know they they like i wasn't successful in doing this why should you be successful in doing this yeah. and they that sort of gets projected uh, in uh-huh. in their thoughts and what they say and you can't let that take you down you know absolutely absolutely mm-hmm. so uh, so now now that you're in india what was the first thing that you did uh, after coming to india so i moved with my job with google itself and then yeah. I got an opportunity to work with the government of India, so I left to join the government of India, and I worked on a on multiple projects. It was a six month contract, and uh, so I did that. And after that, I I again, you know, gut feeling. I want to write. I want to write. I want to write. So I decided to take a break and write my first book. And uh, then uh, you know, I dabbled around a little bit here and there. I I did. Um, some kind of um uh on the ground survey for uh, elections uh, in madhya okay. pradesh 
and okay. that was great because i got the chance to visit so many villages more than 200 villages and talk to the villagers there and oh. after that i realized okay i've done done a lot of my you know uh, exploring india so it was time to uh, write my second book and also get a job at the same time so then i i moved back into the corporate world uh-huh. so then what 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 were the books about uh, what was the process of writing about and then how did you overcome the writing writer's block yeah so um, here's the thing there are so many topics that so many people can write about i'm sure if i between the two of you we'll be able to get a list of 10 topics that you can write a book about so the question is what is the topic that is bugging you the most what do you feel most charged by you start with that and for me the journey was a little different because i know i want to write more so i i felt like if i want someone to take me seriously i have to have already have written a book okay so i wrote my my first book uh, i wrote this book and then when i went to write this book i could say that he have already written one book so people take kind of take you seriously yeah the process was that i've written a whole blog post on it so i won't go into too much details but uh-huh. the idea is that you start start with your chapter outlines you think about um if i if i would tell a layman what are your frequently asked questions your faqs just write down um say um do you want to tell what topic you're passionate about maybe kunal or any uh-huh. any topic yeah i mean let's sports in general or quizzing we discussed about quizzing a lot okay, yeah. okay let's take quizzing yeah. great yeah. think yeah. about what are the questions that we could ask about quizzing like um maybe one question yeah. is is kon banega karodpati a true style of quizzing because you have so that could be a question then you start yeah. writing uh, right. an answer right. and you right. just find that you will yeah. keep writing you'll keep writing yeah. you just keep expanding and yeah. then yeah. you take 20 30 such questions that yeah. becomes your simple so that is a very simplistic yeah. approach yeah i'm i'm sure it's not that simple <laughs> yeah i mean it, it it gets complicated yeah. especially for me which was the logic you know where right. um say for example you want to talk about um gender problems in in uh, quizzing should yeah. you put a separate chapter for that or should uh-huh. you put a little story in every chapter or should you not talk about it all together so that kind of thing uh, was very difficult for me to come up with and the only thing you have to do is just keep writing you have to be a little obsessed about it you know i was just like waking up at 2 in the morning and scribbling notes oh. and going back to sleep It's kind of right. like right. a obsession yeah yeah so was it like a routine or was it like so- something that would wake you up was it uh, oh yeah it was yeah it was something that would wake you up because you know the thing with the creative process is that you don't know when it's going to hit you and a lot of time uh, there are some books on this where the time before you're going to sleep when you're drifting into sleep is when your best ideas start coming in i've literally had full pay, uh, stories go through my mind while i'm drifting to sleep and i know if i don't jot it down now i will never remember it again in that sequence right, right, you right. have to do a lot of that to get some good yeah. quality work uh-huh. out you can anyone can write a book but you want quality sentences you're going right. to have to work a little more on that um, right. i have taken a lot of courses as well on on creative writing from stanford university 
so i've been working on the process on developing my skills for a very long time it just um, you know it was that point where i was like i need to make some big progress in my life and that's when i decided to to start writing the book right 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 it's also one of those books uh, which will actually create an impact on somebody right uh, which is which is which is uh, i mean as a writer i'm assuming this is like a lovely feeling in general right um you hit the nail on the head uh, it's what i live for literally every week i get 3 to 4 messages on an average where people are like your book has changed my life i okay. related to it they i've yeah. i've got so many messages on linkedin and um these are people i don't know i my friends didn't buy the book and that is <laughs> that's one thing about you know uh, writers yeah. that uh, yeah. a lot of writers um yeah. have to internalize is that your own family and friends are not going to read your book <laughs> right, right, it is right. your target audience they will pick up so so the, the reviews are good and even my consulting right like i consult and arise yeah. on uh, mm-hmm. whether they will track and every session is so different everyone has a different problem like they'll come to your home if you're sick they'll call you and the thing is that once you get friendly with people the switching gears is a little difficult because uh, you know you're jo- laughing and joking and then you're like okay let's let's talk about work and let's uh, and then they're like why are you suddenly getting serious and giving for feedback is also more difficult when um you you get friendly with people because then you have to be a little softer on your feedback and the thing is people don't remember the feedback they remember the person who gave the feedback yeah. so um it was very very difficult for me to to uh, also uh, I, i come from a place where um i will challenge my my boss i if i feel that there is something that i need to say i will say it i'm not a yes man and i found it a little difficult to do that in in different other environments right. but in company i think they are close to to the us culture with the the yeah. indian you know the the caring part yeah. where people call you when you're sick right. so i've got lucky to to find this uh, this team and opportunity that that's interesting I, i'm 100% sure you won't get uh, wifi enabled uh, fancy buses in india <laughs> you know what you move on from those things you start yeah. looking at what other things india is giving you yeah. or whatever opportunity doesn't have to be india maybe you move from new york to to san diego and uh-huh. you have to see um you have to be in in what your current situation is giving you and take the most of it i don't miss it to be honest i mean i do miss shopping i really <laughs> really miss shopping <laughs> But do no. I miss Wi-Fi? Ah, okay. There was a time uh, when it was cool, and yeah. you know, um, yeah. you know, bhav milta hai, as we call it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So abhi itna bhav nahi milta hai, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's fine, you know. <laughs> Adding to the bhav part, I mean, why do people still wear their fang uh, swag all around? Like all they wear is their fang swag. I have an answer for that, and the reason is because it's probably the only T-shirts they have. And I'm sorry, <laughs> you open my drawer right now. All my T-shirts are Google T-shirts because I don't need to buy any other. And and then what do I wear? Then those are the only shirts that I can wear. <laughs> so uh, yeah, there is a bit of you know the uh-huh. showing thing um, because yeah. again people take you more seriously than they would yeah. if you weren't wearing that. But that's a very individual sort of um, <clears throat> thing. Like I keep I don't I keep it close to me. I I don't tell uh-huh. people. 
about my fang yeah. experience but there are people who um you know for them that's the way they they get they get noticed in the world so yeah, yeah. Uh, and also uh, i mean you you mentioned that uh, you, you are a generalist so like in general are startups better for a generalist like yourself that's a great question i think it depends uh, what i do feel is that um it is helping me becoming a specialist in the sense that i'm doing so many different things that i start understanding more of what i like versus i don't like it's making me get more technical which you can't do much if you're in a very large company so uh, it's also helping me learn a certain domain in in depth so um, i feel like with this experience of being in a, a niche domain uh can can really help me uh, if i choose to to go down this path but but that's the thing right like today's fintech if i choose to i can pull myself out and plug myself back into infra or whatever so um, you know it always helps uh, getting more domain knowledge but and a startup definitely helps you learn learn the weeds of things but uh, startups That's may true. not be for everyone you know you, you have to put yeah. in a lot of your time you have to be always available and it yeah. depends on the phase of life you are in it may be the answer maybe it's not the answer yeah absolutely absolutely so how's the overall experience coming uh, since you moved back to india overall it's been uh, great i yeah. do want to um, you know for people who are seeing this mm-hmm. you don't have to stay in india forever and that's yeah. what i keep telling people like i've written a book on moving back and the essence of my book which if people don't read it they assume i'm telling people to move i'm saying yeah. it's a phase of your life you come to india enjoy yourself do whatever you want and when you feel like if you feel like leaving india and going back to wherever you are do it yeah. so tomorrow if i want to go and explore new york i uh-huh. that's one city in the world i would love to live in i'm going to do it if i want to um without i mean i'm not going to do it like i but if the opportunity arises and if i want to i am open to that and it doesn't mean that i'm unhappy it just means uh-huh. that in a different phase of my life i want different things and uh, that's what uh, people have to understand like my uh, oh i am so happy here is not necessarily going to be your answer and it's not like i'm happy all the time right like there are so many things that um i don't want to deal with like i don't want to deal with um you know um i just mitigate all the things that i don't want to deal with so um yeah. so yeah it's 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 good uh, i i feel like uh, my uh, personality has changed after moving back i feel uh, more um grounded less stressed uh, and um, yeah more sort of grown up like there are there are real problems here you know it's not like um you know there is a bumper to bumper traffic on on whatever boulevard in in sunnyvale yeah. and that's the biggest problem of the day like it's not like that yeah. <laughs> i mean so my my ex manager was a 14 year old google veteran and he mentioned something about an email thread which which is called zero earth world problem and there was this thread which was like should bananas uh, heads be chopped off or not and people were discussing about that yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so google said you don't have if you don't have other problems you you will start making up your problems 
and um, the, that's something that we explored in my books, which is uh, you have real problems here. Like, yeah. you maybe you won't get water for a day. Like, will you be worried about like somebody? I remember someone complained that uh, she got her hair braided and uh, or cut, and someone asked her at office in, in Mountain View, "Hey, you cut your hair," and she was so offended by that. Oh. And I mean. If you're gonna be friends, so sensitive, how do you live? Like anything will piss you off, and your your coworkers won't know what to talk to you, and that's what's happening in in the in that environment. Is that no, it's it's very hard to talk to anyone because you don't know what they'll get offended with. And just wrapping up, uh, what advice would you give to a 22-year-old Nupur who is leaving Pune to go to the US? Oh. <laughs> So here's the thing: some topic that I haven't uh, brought up before. Spend the money. More shopping. No, I think around more around uh, living a good life or, yeah. or at least decent life. And of course, when you're 22 and you're going to the US to to study, you don't have money, and you start end up eating cereal and bread. Uh, and um, you know something cheap every day, like it's cereal and bread and banana, cereal bread banana, and uh, that's fine as a student life. But once you start earning, and especially if you're in the US, spend the money, like spend the money on that dinner uh, with your friend, or spend money on um, hiring a taxi to go somewhere on your own convenience, and don't be confused, which is what a lot of NRIs do. And then invest in a bed or some good furniture. <laughs> <laughs> I would totally agree because coming from a middle class family, it's so difficult to spend. You're not tuned to spend. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like uh, you know, Walmart. Me, who do plastic? Wala, you get that container, right? Like uh, you always live like a nomad. Like I always was living as if you know, I have to twenty dollars, thirty dollars max. Well, why not? Why not spend? Uh, you know, uh, get something, even if it was for two years, sell it off, and then start from scratch again. If you're moving, um, it's so hard to do. I wish I had that wisdom of <laughs> having spend money and have few yeah. friends. Don't make too. Yeah. Many. I made too many friends. I think I was That's just diet for a immigrant life where your friends are your family. I think that that should be sort of contained a little. Oh. Well, Lupur, that's a first. I think a lot. We've asked uh, this question to a lot of people, and and people end up saying that, go with the flow, don't think too much about it and stuff. I think I think yours is I think by far the one of the best advices that we've got. <laughs> and, I have and, one more thing. The biggest uh-huh. lie I have heard is to be yourself. Don't be yourself. <laughs> yeah. Because if you're being an idiot, nobody is going to tell uh, you. Yeah. So uh, the the advice is be. Be a businesswoman, especially for women, right? Be that businesswoman when you go to office. Uh-huh. Don't be yourself. And yeah. I made that mistake for a long part of my life. Uh-huh. Please don't make that mistake. Like, yeah. be the best of you for that appropriate situation. You don't have to be yourself all the time. <laughs> uh, that that's absolutely that's absolutely golden advice, honestly. Uh, because I mean. Uh, You have to switch your context. You have to. You're in a different environment, a different setup, right? And and people will take you seriously if you have that switch, right? 
versus just be who you are pretty much all the time like exactly. uh, we are usually people pleasers so we yeah. have to put on different yeah. hats uh, consciously mm-hmm. yeah. okay let's uh, let's move to the final section so this is rapid fire question so whatever comes to your mind just just go for it right uh, so the first question is sf versus bangalore sf consulting writing or product management writing Uh, any interesting hobby that you picked during covid during this phase of I working from home so many hobbies i have actively decided to reduce my hobbies so okay question is for the long <laughs> <laughs> any hobby that you picked again i mean might have dropped it uh, in the last few years um no i, I as i said uh, for me my problem is that i do too much so i have to actively stop myself from doing more so that i can focus right. on other things so right. yes nice. <laughs> Uh, I mean, you answered it before, but like, if, if you have to give a one-word answer, working in India versus US. US any day. Wow, it's a great experience. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was actually going through your blog, and you mentioned that you have a huge fascination for the American breakfast, right? So, American breakfast versus the hardcore kuchu breakfast. Oh, American breakfast. Oh my God! Like, imagine <laughs> go for a run, and then you go to like a hobbies or something, and you have that uh, latte with a. Spanish omelette and oh my god, like my mouth is watering. Any day American breakfast. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't consume eggs and then the, I have to go for the scrambled tofu and everything and then that's uh, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that's the end of our conversation, Nupur. Uh, it was really fun. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for uh, interviewing me. I really enjoyed this experience.